The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Chavetz Chaim was in an inn, and this Jewish soldier who was in the Russian army comes in. Many is cursing and acting disgusting and being lewd, and everybody's terribly offended. And somebody says to the Chavetz Chaim who was there, could you say something to this guy? And he walks over to him and says, what a tzaddik you are. All those years in the Russian army and you never converted? And the big burly Russian soldier starts crying and says, Rabbi, you don't know what they did to me. They used to take children away from their parents at five years old and keep them in the army for 20 years to break them, to break Judaism. He says, I was a little kid. They forced us to convert. They beat us. They starved us. They stood me in a little stone box. I couldn't move in the freezing cold. But I knew I was a Jew and I knew I would never give it up. And because of this, he was able to bring him back. Now, I've said this over to rabbis and leaders. <laughs> and more than once, someone said to me, what a great line. Let me jot that down in case I meet a big burly soldier. What a tzaddik you are. All those years. It wasn't a line. It's because the Chavetz Chaim had an eye in tov. He saw the same guy that everybody else saw. And everyone saw Russia. And he saw a tzaddik. It was the same guy. Of Arya Levin in Old Yerushalayim, somebody opened their makolit on Shabbos. This was not done. And people were protesting, and people were this and that. Helfnish. Yeah. So Arya Levin goes to the mikveh, gets dressed for Shabbos, and he comes down to the makolit. And everybody loved Arya Levin. Didn't matter if you're religious or not. And he says, Rebbe, what can I do for you? He says, nothing. And he's just standing there. He says, Rebbe, can I get you a chair? He says, yeah, that would be nice. I get him a chair, and he sits there. And it's worth mentioning. 40 minutes before Shkia. And he's sitting there. And it's Shkia. He's sitting there. It's Seis. He's sitting there. And probably an hour after Seis, he starts to close it up. And he says, Rebbe, what are you doing here? What was this all about? You missed Davening. What was this? He says, I heard there's a Yid in Yerushalayim who opened his door on Shabbos. And I wondered what kind of a Nisayan is he going through. And I wanted to see it for myself. And Taka, you know, Money was very scarce. And I understand. For you, you're making a lot of money because you have the market to yourself. There's nobody else open. You're making a lot of money. You know, money in old Yerushalayim could be the difference between life and death. That's a tremendously sign that you're going through. I understand now. But Shabbos is Shabbos. And he said, Rebbe, you're the first one who tried to see it from my point of view. So eventually he closed out. Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People says, Seek to understand before being understood. Look at it from the other person's point of view. Look with an iron toe. So I, I tried to practice this. So there was a girl who was in seminary, very happy girl. I never saw her without a smile on her face. And before she came, mother made her sign a contract that she would not even ask to come back for Shonabed. She felt very strong. And the girl eventually decided she wanted to come back for Shonabed. And mother said, absolutely not. Nothing to discuss. She was going home for Pesach. She didn't know what to do. So somebody gave her advice to show your mother how unhappy you are. Now, this must have been very hard for this girl. Because like I said, she never didn't have a smile on her face and she had to go around and look miserable. And her mother said, you can do whatever you want. It's not going to help. So she comes back and, uh, and her mother calls her up and says, listen, you're not coming back. You better just learn to deal with it. Maybe talk to one of your rabbis there. Maybe they can help you accept it. He says, well, the problem is I can't understand it, but maybe you could explain it to one of my rabbis. She says, okay. She goes, well, when you came, 
you know, to visit, you met with Rabbi Olavsky, maybe you could speak to him. I'll be happy to. She comes to me and says, listen, my mom's going to call you tonight. You have to convince her to let me come back for a second year. So I was like, okay, what's the story? She tells me the story. So the mother calls up and she says, there's nothing to talk about. My daughter's not coming back for a Shanabet. I said, I understand. So no, I'm serious. I don't care. You know, she signed the contract. She has to start college. I said, I understand. You're her mother. Nobody here knows better than you. You have her best interest in mind. You know, none of the rabbis here are going to support her. They're not going to marry her off. They're not going to take care of her. You're the mother. You ultimately know what's best for your daughter. And the mother started crying. She said to me, but she's so sad. And it hurts me to see her so sad. And I said, listen, as a parent, sometimes we have to do what's best for our kids, even though they're very sad. One of my kids decided she wanted to go swimming. And so she jumped headfirst into the bathtub. And I had to take her to Terem and hold her down as they sewed up her head. And she's crying, Abba, it hurts, let me go, Abba, it hurts. I'm holding her and crying, but I know it's better than walking around with a big open thing in your head. You understand? So I know I'm doing the right thing. I said, sometimes parents have to do things for children, even though they're going to be sad. And we talked like this for about 20 minutes, and uh, thank you very much. And we hung up the phone. My wife said to me, did I miss something here? <laughs> I think you were supposed to be convincing her. And I said, Seek to understand before being understood. Take the time to see where the other person is coming from, and then they'll listen to you. But, but if you don't take that time to see it from their point of view, now have a good eye to the other person. Two days later, I go back to teach, and she says to me, my mom said I can stay. <laughs> what did you do? I said, well, I have to know how to talk to people. You know, I, mean? like, you know, I didn't do anything. I just made her feel like she was being heard. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.